Welcome to Canada's podcast. Dan, welcome to Canada's podcast. Great, great seeing you. And you know, uh, we're we're not far away from each other. And you're in Kitchener, I'm in I'm Stony Creek. But you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Just give give everyone that kind of three to five minute overview of who who Dan is and what he's doing right now, basically. Certainly. So first, thank you very much for the invitation to this podcast. I really appreciate that, Philip. It's a pleasure chatting with you. Um, so who's Dan? So I'm a computer guy, software developer by training back, uh, starting back at University of Waterloo in the 80s, and quickly got a, a, a taste and love for tech startups, and eventually stopped doing the regular wage slave kind of thing, working for other companies and decided, no, nah, I kind of want to do my own thing and see if I can do, do things off the ground. Uh, for many years, I ran my own uh, product company as a lone wolf operation, selling my own software for mobile and doing contracting. And then I, I guess around 10 years ago, decided I wanna get more serious about being involved in actually starting a real tech startup with employees. So um, my last company that uh, I was a partial founder in, we sold five years ago or so, and that really gave me the taste. I was taking a company from ground zero to raising money all the way to selling it, and then decided uh, I wanted to start my next gig. And so uh, at that point, I was uh, reconnecting with um, a number of, of different technology people that I've been very good acquaintances with over the years, including some investors, and I was connected with Chloe Dosberg, our CEO and uh, my business founder, who was very interested in the idea of an application that would help organizations tell their unique stories, but didn't have any developer connections as such. And uh, we talked more and I had thought for a long time about building apps in the tourism space, but I could never convince myself how to make that work. It was like, well, yeah, I could build an app, but why would anyone download that or buy it or use it? And I loved her idea, which is really to be focused about the content of the stories, making it something that helps organizations, municipalities tell their stories. And so off we went. We started the company uh, along with some uh, investors and other founders. And uh, we launched our first uh, product for iOS about a year after we launched, nine months after we launched. Um, followed quickly with Android and I've been building the product line ever since and getting sales from coast to coast. That's great. So you you work for a while, you know. You, you know, and then you chose entrepreneurship. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be wired differently, or oh, yes. ADHD or something like that? I mean. <laughs> Absolutely wired different. Um, so first, uh, myself, and it's just me. You know, I'm not a big company guy. You know, you get into companies that are you know over 500 people. Um, I just don't feel I can have the influence. I think, I think entrepreneurs, particularly software entrepreneurs, they want to be able to have a great amount of control and influence in what they do. And the larger the company, the harder that can be for some types of people, maybe not the MBA types, but for software engineers in particular, I think it's a challenge to be able to have their say and be able to have a voice. And so they gravitate there. So if you're just the type who just absolutely loves tech and wants to help build technology, you kind of gravitate this way. 
Um, it certainly was true for me. It, it meant, you know, I know I can, I, I'm in control of the hard work I do. If I put that super hard effort in, that the success or failure is dependent on me, as opposed to a very large company where you're just a cog in a machine. Um, and uh, although it's a hard ride, a lot of work and not necessarily better money, I certainly would say that if one wanted to work for one of the larger established companies, especially these days here in Kitchener, the US companies, you can probably make more money in the long run, but there are more important things in life. And to be able to stay, I started a company from ground zero and made a product that users like and that customers buy, that's worth everything in my mind. There's nothing more valuable to me. So yeah, entrepreneurs are wired differently. Almost everyone that I work with who've built companies together and we talk a lot, they're different. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You know, you you work in Waterloo, which is which is a tech hub anyway. But you know, why why stay in Ontario? You know, when there, there's, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've been headhunted here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I mean, why stay here? I mean, I'm, you know, it's there's so many other places where you can get more money. Um, yeah. Uh, why stay here? Yeah, that's a great question, Phil. In fact, the first, I had to encounter that question literally from when I graduated from UW in the 80s, uh, because a, a lot of my friends went to Microsoft. At that time, you know, if you were going to go in the US, and, you know, talking about 80, 89, 85 area. Yeah, they were my client yeah. then, so. <laughs> yeah. So, indeed, a couple of my friends, you know, went there. I made that decision at the time. like, I don't want to go to the US. There was no Silicon Valley at that time yet, but it was clear there was some unique opportunities, even though I really admired and respected what the company was building at that time. Uh, I still made that decision, no. So for myself, I, it'll be different for everyone else. But at that time, the major factor was I'm a Canadian and I, I'm proud to be Canadian and I wanna build a, I wanna do what I do here in Canada for Canada. I really didn't like the idea um, of going to a different country, particularly the US, to be honest, and, and giving my heart and soul and talent in another space. I know my friends did very well and, and uh, they enjoyed their experiences, um, and, but they're not very, you know, they don't feel necessarily the same sense of connection. And so it didn't matter to them where they worked. Mm -hmm. um, that was how I felt back then. I still feel very much like I do not wanna leave, but for a variety of different reasons. Um, one of them, and this is in the ethos of having built Driftscape, and Chloe and I were very firm about this, there is an ethos in the valley of a lot of those companies that's burn and churn. I find that it's persistent and it's evolved over the last 20, 30 years. Um, the work culture, especially in, in the high paying, you know, bit more technical startups, mm -hmm. you can end up working too hard and it's kind of rough on people. And I find that um, having gone through it, over the years, I don't like that culture. And I, I feel here in Canada, or at least in Ontario, or at least for this company, we were able to build a different culture where I don't want people to burn out. My company, I can say that. It's like, I might work really hard and I do, but I didn't want to feel my employees had to. And so I think I can build the kind of culture better here in Canada, because we have a greater respect for quality of life and work balance than possibly what I've experienced and seen in the US. 
Um, the flip side of this, though, is there is a great price to pay in building a startup. Um, the ability to accept risk and to finance companies properly is a magnitude greater in the US. Um, constantly in Canada, when you're trying to build a company, if you don't take money from the US, uh, it, you're going to get less money and have a much more conservative investor base and con conservative point of view. That is a challenge and it's a frustration. And to be honest, I'm far more open-minded about where I will take money mm -hmm. in, in this company at this point. It's just, I'm just seeing a total different attitude when I talk uh, to VCs and, and related companies who are more from California and or on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about your business, um, you know, t today. What are you most excited about? in your current business? Hmm. I think for me personally, and if you're asking what I'm excited about for me, I think what gets me up in the morning and really excited is thinking about the growth of the company. And, and I guess it's because I'm, you know, I'm wired for operations. Um, you know, I've chose the title of COO in this company um, because I love seeing a company follow the steps to success. It's, it's being on that path. So it makes me more excited when a customer buys our product than when I build a piece of technology for the product. I do both. I still write code and I love writing code still. I have to. Small I, don't do the, I don't do that anymore. So. <laughs> I, I wish I could completely abandon it, but I can't because again, Canadian climate investment, not enough money. I kind of have to wear more hats than I would like. Um, but for me, when I know I've built something that users and customers actually, you know, put the money on the table, so to speak, in a customer's sake, literally, in a users of our product sake, in the sense that they've used, downloaded, used the product and retained it and enjoy it, or we get a good review. To me, it's that process of we have a vision, we're going to build it, we're gonna, and then we're going to put it to market, test it, probably fail, refine it, try again, tune, test but ultimately build something that people buy. That is everything for me. It's I, I, so exciting. Um, not every engineer is like that. Some engineers get more kick out of just building the technology and they really don't care whether anyone uses it. It's more about, well, this was elegant code or just a neat idea. That does nothing for me. Um, and this was probably instilled at a, at, in the very earliest of my career my very first employers that were very, very pragmatic and operational, my earliest mentors, some of which are some of my investors now, um, who really believed in that, that, that ethos of build a product to sell, build something you can actually make money for. So what's the greatest challenge you faced in your business to date and how did you, how have you, did you overcome it? Hmm. Yeah, um, the greatest challenge I would probably say it's, and it's not necessarily one we've overcome yet, to be honest. We're still working on it. Um, naively, when we built the very first Escape, launched it in the App Store, I mean, realize, of course, we're not a social media platform. We don't monetize eyeballs. It's a truly a free experience for users. No ads, never will be. That's because it's SaaS paid for by our customers. So we naively thought, great, if we build it and it's free and it's ad-free and it's clean, 
and it really has amazing, eclectic, unique content or stories from our partners and customers and organizations that's unique, telling things they couldn't find otherwise, of course, users will download it. We'll have, you know, 300,000 downloads in the first, first year and hit a million users and 10. Well, that didn't turn out to be true. Um, and uh, I'll admit, I was very naive about that. I really thought it won't be that hard to get adoption, even viral adoption. That's just not the way of the mobile app world. It's, there's just more mobile apps than people, <laughs> it seems these days. Um, it's hard to get attention. And in a company that has raised a modest amount of money, in my opinion, for this amount of time, we can't really afford to market it. You know, I'm not going to buy TV commercial slots. Um, we also naively thought, great, you know, we'll get customers to pay for it, to put published content, and it will be a cycle. You know, the more content, the more partners, the more customers, great, more users. That is true, but only on a linear basis, not an exponential basis, we have found. And so we are still hunting for the perfect features to add to our product line that will cause viral user adoption. Um, it's, we have good downloads, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy with it. Uh, we, you know, have, we have very active users, we've had to upgrade our servers many, many times, but they didn't hit the goals that I, the high goals I had set for myself when we started the company. I really thought we'd have many millions of users by now. And I now accept the fact that the, the challenge and the one that we're still working on every day is adding more and more features that users will find more and more sticky and want to use every day. And the cool thing is, is with this platform we have, because we have a CMS, we have customers with unique content, rich content, valuable content, unique CMS that they can use to enter it. And we have a platform that's easy and free for users and so on. All the ingredients are there on this framework to do stuff that will cause adoption. We have ideas that we're very excited about in the coming 12 months that we think will really be something that's, you know, more than just a user saying, well, this is a cool app, I'll try it once or twice, but do much more than that. Well, let's move on to some things that are kind of interesting. I love this one question I ask everyone, and it's really about mentorship, you know, and I think most of us <coughs> have had mentors in our business life. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you've received? You know, the one that you carry around, it never, it never goes away. You, you keep coming back to it. Kind of thing. That's a great question. I remember once back when I still was doing regular jobs and thinking that it was important to simply change my title and keep climbing a ladder, mm -hmm. which I did in my youth uh, and thought, well, great. You know, now I'm working for a bigger company, making more money, managing more people. And uh, I remember being very frustrated at times in that last wage position like that in a large company. And, uh, I was getting more frustrated, not being able to have control over the environment, the politics, of course. And I remember talking to uh, one of my mentors that I really trusted and respected. And we were just chatting. And they commented, Dan, you don't seem happy. And I was like, I'm not, I'm frustrated. But I didn't see the problem, you know. 
for me, it was like, well, this is what I do. You know, I, I'm good at this. I can manage larger and larger teams. I, I, I can do these jobs. But what they pointed out to me was, but you're not happy. Why are you doing it if you're not happy? And I've synthesized that into an expression I use. The only currency in life that's really worth any value is happiness. There is no other currency. Your, 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 your wage is important to a certain degree, maybe when you're younger, but certainly this age, it's the least important element to me. Um, and after that chat, it was only about a month or, month or so later, I quit and started doing my own thing. So there is only one currency that matters and it's happiness and people need, and it's, it's not easy to stay on that path. It sounds like kindergarten advice, but it's not easy. We often do things that don't make us happy. So that's really interesting. <clears throat> In a sense, the one I'm going to ask you now is kind of sim similar to it. You know, if you could go back in time, say 20 years ago, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm. 20 years. Well, 20 years, I'd start doing my own thing. Um, I think what I would tell myself 20 years ago, um, I had a lot of scars, I, in a sense, from working from bigger and bigger companies. And so I became very allergic to the idea. And for a long time, I, all I wanted to do was a lone wolf business. And that was a mistake. I should have made the transition earlier to true entrepreneurship. Lone wolf is fine. You can build a consultancy. You can build a tiny little app or two yourself. But if you don't really raise money and get serious and try to build a real company, um, you're not going to achieve much. You're going to stay small and you're not going to do much. I wish 20 years ago, I could go back and say, don't be so afraid. Don't live in that developer cave. Get out of the cave and be willing to take a risk and actually do it. You, you know, I, I'm positive if I had started a little bit earlier trying to build a larger company, raise money, do the right thing to build a true larger vision and plan, I could have. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. Um, so if I can go back 20 years, I'd kick myself and say, don't be so afraid. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was fun doing what I did, but I'm happier now because I'm achieving more that has a real impact in the world. Okay, that's some good good thoughts there, Dan. Uh, let's move on to some, you know, slightly more, slightly lighter stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you a morning or a night person? Well, I'm both. I, I work is important to me. You know, my children are growing up out of the house. Um, I, I love what I do. So what I tend to do is I will get up at a reasonable hour, sometimes very early, play some sports and so on, stay physically active. Um, and then I'll run the company. I'll do the hat, which is the CEO hat. And, and that's easily three quarters of my day to half of my day. And then what I often do is in the evenings or on the weekends, I'll code. And that's when I can be non-interrupted because coding requires non-interruption. Um, so I, I'm a little bit of each, to be honest. I don't, I can do either. Um, when I burn it, the candle both ends too much, then I often will just take a big break. I'll sleep in like crazy, not work a day or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I love being able to just work when I want to work, whatever that is. And of course, our company is, we built it on a foundation of 100% remote. We do yeah. have offices, 
but they're only work share offices for addresses, one in Toronto, one in Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was fundamental. All my employees work from home. They love it. I want to give them all that same freedom that I respect and build. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would that word be? It can be two words. Uh, mm -hmm. What would it be and why? Yeah. I, I once had a, a colleague describe me as a bulldog. And I always thought that stuck. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and he, he, the reason he particularly used that word one day, we were working on a very particular challenging problem that basically everyone had given up on and said, well, that can't be solved. And I said, I just refused to give up. And uh, it wasn't a huge problem. It was a one day problem, but I eventually did come up with a solution to the problem. And mm -hmm. he just kind of shook his head at the end of it. He's like, man, you're a bulldog, Dan. I don't give up. Um, I, I, you have to be able to, as an entrepreneur, to see through the dark times. 90% of the time, you can't actually see the end of the road in front of you. The fog is, is too great. That is the nature of running a tech startup. There will be days you don't know where the next paycheck is getting paid from. There will be days you don't know what the right feature to build. There will be days you don't know, oh my God, you know, are we ever going to get this done? Um, you have to be dogmatic. And I'm very proud of the fact that some people view me as a don't give up bulldog. Um, it's not necessarily optimism. That is a different trait. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a great optimist. It's just I don't give up. I don't like the idea of failing. Often that just means pivoting all the time. Just, you know, it might be that, okay, you don't actually succeed on today's goals or, or where you go. You just find that when you look back, it's like, wow, we really changed our mind about what's the right path and be willing to do that at all times. Let, let me sort of say, you know, what's keeping you up at night these days? These days, currently, I'd probably say the thing that worries me is employee retention because we're in such a crazy time. Uh, unemployment rates are so low and people can just take a job anytime. That's complicated in the tech field in that I can't possibly afford to pay the same rates as the large monolithic companies here in town, like the Googles of the world. Very few tech startups can really compete at, a, at day one with those kind of advantages and salaries. So that's worrisome um, for me. Uh, I start every day as a founder and as an operating person saying, just assume all your best people are going to quit on you today. So what can you do to help keep them there and keep them happy? I literally ask my employees every week, are you happy? And it's surprising that money is very rarely the factor that actually is the highest motivator for them. You know, it's a factor. Mm -hmm. But they'll often tell you things like, well, you know, I'd like this or I'd like that. Um, usually has more to do with autonomy and self-direction which are very easy to provide if you're a good manager. You know, let great people do great things for you. Uh, so that's probably the most current thing that's a bit concerning, other than cash flow, which, as you've pointed out, is universal in every yeah. Um, So I, I will not bore people with that standard answer. Well, I'm looking at our time, and I, could, we, I think we could chat for quite some time longer, but I've got to keep to my you know, 25 to 30 minutes. And it's been really, really interesting, Dan. How can people get a hold of you online? What's the, what's the best way to do it if they've got some questions? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, probably through our website and email. Um, so driftscape.com, D-R-I-F-T-S-C-A-P-E.com is our company. Um, 
there's uh, just contact us at hi at dresscape.com. Um, and I'll end up getting that. And uh, that would probably be the best way. Um, I'm not active on social media uh, at all. I know that sounds very strange for, for a tech dude like me, but I'm not fond of monetizing eyeballs at all. I hate it so much that I refuse to participate in those, those environments. So email is, is it. Um, if someone wants to reach me and talk more intimately, of course, then I reply and you know, give them a call. Uh, so through our website, I think is probably the best way. Dan, it's been great meeting you. Uh, thanks for coming on Canvas Podcast. I think there's some real words of wisdom in there that we got through today. So thank you very much. Uh, great meeting you. Wonderful meeting you. Thank you so much for your time.